Well, good morning, Quakertown. I miss you guys a ton. I can't wait to see you guys next week. Hope you're enjoying uh, your time with Charles. And just a reminder, uh, we want to make sure that we are for Quakertown, that we are with uh, paying attention to that community. And so I want to make sure that we're praying for those affected by the Bush House fire uh, and that we pay attention to how we can meet the needs of those who have been displaced from their homes. Uh, one of the ways that we want to do that is we want you to fill up the shopping cart outside of the room uh, with a bunch of food for the Quakertown Food Pantry. So make sure you stock up on some canned goods and non-perishable items for that shopping cart so we can bless our community. And some of you right now will be thinking, what is going on? If you're new to Calvary Church, you'll be like, he's lost it. Uh, well, here's the deal. Calvary Church is a multi-site church. Uh, we're one church in two locations. So we have our Souderton campus, and then we have our Quakertown campus. Uh, and so I get the privilege of hanging out with uh, that awesome crew in Quakertown week after week. But I am so thrilled to get to come back and visit all of you again as well. Well, we're in the middle of a series that we are calling Reality Check. And what we've said in this series is this, that we live in a world of fake news, of spins, of misinformation, of twists. And what we've decided is that there is a need for a reality check, that there's a need for just taking a look at what is true, taking a look at what the Bible says is true, and applying it to our lives. And so what we've done up until this point is we've taken a reality check in regards to Christianity, we've taken a reality check in regards to community, and also we took a reality check in regards to our purpose. And today we're going to take a look at our schedules a little bit. Uh, we're going to look at how we use our time, but specifically today we're going to do a reality check about rest. Rest. And some of you are thinking, as soon as I said that, you're like, that's exactly my plan for right now. I'm going to rest. I saw that Charles wasn't speaking, and it was Carlos, so I thought it would be time to catch up on some napping, and I just want you to know that that's totally cool. That's totally cool. But I need you to understand one thing. I can see all of you. And I am not above calling you out. And no, I would never do that. I would, Charles would totally do it, but I would never do that. I would never do that. But we're going to be talking about rest. In reality, I think that this is a reality check that we desperately need in our culture. I think it's a reality check that we desperately need for ourselves. And if, and if you disagree, then, then that's fine because I need it. I mean, I don't do rest well. I get so consumed with the busyness of my life and, and I get so consumed with, with thinking of multiple things at the same time that I just don't do rest well. I'm okay at leisure. I'm okay at finding time for leisure, but I'm not really good at finding time for rest. And you know, I think that we've kind of come up with this distorted view of rest this distorted definition of rest. And so what we've done is we've looked at rest and we've said that rest is really one of two things. It either equates to sleep or entertainment. And while both of those are a part of rest, that's not the fullness of rest. That's not the fullness of how the Bible describes rest. In fact, the Bible describes rest often. It takes rest very seriously. 
Actually, rest is a commandment. It's something that God commands us to do. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to the book of Exodus. If you don't have a Bible, there are different ways you can follow along. You can read the verses up on the screens. You can take your phone or your tablet out, go to the Bible app or Bible Gateway app. Both are great apps for reading the Bible. Or you can use one of the Bibles that we have here at Calvary Church in Sourton. They're in the seat rack in front of you. In Quakertown, we have them in carts in the back of the room. Uh, You can get up and go get it now, or you can raise your hand and usher can bring it to you. And whether you're in Quakertown or you're here in Souderton, if you don't own a Bible, take it home. It's our gift to you. It's free. We believe that reading the Bible has the potential to impact your life, so take it home. And if you've never read it before and you're like, I don't know how to do this, give us a call. We'd be more than happy to help you with that. But we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 20. And so before we read this, just to kind of set up what's going on, the people of Israel were people that God chose. He chose them as his people. Now they were living in Egypt as slaves. And God sends a deliverer. He sends Moses to them. And so he rescues the people of Israel out of Egypt. And they now are in this wilderness as they're traveling to the land that God has promised them, the promised land. And while they're wandering around in this wilderness, waiting to go into this land that God has promised, God gives them some laws. He gives them some commandments. In fact, if you ever heard of the Ten Commandments, that's where it comes out of this chapter. And so in the midst of those commandments, in the midst of those laws, we get this in verse 8. Chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now we get different accounts, we get this written down in different parts of the Bible, and so if we were to just flip a few pages and we go to the book of Deuteronomy, we get the same commandment again. I just want to read it so that we hear, hear both accounts of it. And so Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 12 says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days ye shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, that, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. God takes rest seriously, and so we have this word Sabbath. Sabbath, and it comes from a Hebrew word. And it was a Hebrew word that was used to talk about rest, and what it means is to cease, to stop. And so God commands this day of ceasing, commands this day of stopping, this this day of rest. And it's not just a a commandment. It's not just something he 
told them to do, it, it makes the top 10 list. You know, it's like in God's top 10 there. And he takes rest seriously. Why? Why is this so important to God? Why is he taking this so seriously? Why is he commanding us to do this? I think in order to fully understand that, we need to first look at the word remember. God says to remember the Sabbath day. But that remembering isn't just some sort of intellectual recognition of something, this intellectual recollection. It's something more than that. July 22nd, 2000. July 22nd, 2000. For all of you, that probably means nothing. But for me, that was the day I married my wife, Jen. July 22nd is my anniversary. Now, what would happen if on July 22nd, I say nothing to my wife? What would happen if on July 22nd, I give her no card, no gift, we don't go out, nothing. I treat it like any other day of the week. What would happen? Bad things. <laughs> Bad things would happen. And what would happen if my wife came up to me at the end of the day and said, did you forget what today is? And I look at her and I say, oh no, I remember. Today is our anniversary. And then I go back to looking at ESPN on my phone. What would happen? I would not own a phone anymore. My actions reveal what is true. Remembering the Sabbath is not just an intellectual thing. It's a matter of practice that is anchored in relationship. It's anchored in relationship. The Sabbath is about remembrance, and it's based on a relational foundation. And we get glimpses of this relationship in the details that are provided after the commandment. And so God gives this command in, in Exodus, and then, and then he gives all of these details about the creation account. And then God gives the command in Deuteronomy, and he gives all of these details about how he brought the Israelites out of Egypt. And so what we see in those details, we see an establishment of roles. God gives this commandment, and then he says, here's how I created the world. Now, do as I did. And while we were to emulate the model that God gave us, we were supposed to remember the foundation of truth in that model. And the foundation of truth is this. When God says this, when God says, I created everything, he's basically telling us this, that he's God. God is God. And if we understand that God is God, then we need to understand something else. God is God, I am not. And if God is God and I am not, then he's in charge. Then he's the one in control. You see, in order to fully practice the Sabbath, 
I need to give up my illusion of control and trust in the one who really is in control. I need to trust God with my finances. I need to trust God with my family. I need to trust God with my status. God is God. I am not. Observing the Sabbath is an act of humble trust. And so while God is God and I am not, remembering that allows me to obey even when I feel that I don't want to. See, if God is God and he desires that I rest, what right do I have to ignore him? But not only is God God, he's also the deliverer. He reminds them, I rescued you out of Egypt. You had just been slaves. You had lived these lives of, of, of being slaves, of a life of slavery. And here's the reality. When the Israelites were slaves, they had no control over their own time. Who was in control? The Egyptians were in control. The slave masters were in control. The Israelites didn't have a right to rest. They had no rights. They were slaves. And God rescues them from Egypt. He rescues them out of that. And as a sign of that redemption, he provides rest. He provides the Sabbath. And when I ignore God and I run nonstop, I basically put those shackles of bondage back on my hands and act like I am not free. God is God. And not only is he God, he's the one who's freed us. Observing the Sabbath is an act of trust. It is an act of gratitude. And even more, it is an act of love. God gave us the Sabbath out of love for us. This command was a sign of redemption, a sign of freeing his people. And we see that the Sabbath in its command is anchored in relationship. But as you look at that command, as you begin to examine it, you see that not only is it anchored in relationship, but there's a rhythm to it. There's actually a rhythm to the Sabbath. And the first thing that we learn about the rhythm to the Sabbath is this. We are meant to work. We are meant to work. It says six days you shall labor, six days you shall work. We're supposed to work. The Sabbath isn't this call for laziness. It's not this call for just lying down and, and living a life of luxury and not doing anything. No, actually, it's a call to action. It's a call to action. In fact, it took work to get to the point of rest. It took work. It did, and not just throughout the regular week of work for survival and for living in life. It took work to get to the point of rest. There was times of preparation. You couldn't cook on the Sabbath, so you had to prepare your meal beforehand, the day before. There were all these detailed preparations, all these detailed things that you had to do in order to get ready for the Sabbath. 
There's a rhythm there. There's this rhythm of work and this rhythm of rest. And so maybe in order to rest, we need to change the rhythm of our lives. Maybe we need to change the day that you do groceries. If that's, if that's a stress for you, then don't do it on the day you're supposed to be resting. Do it during the evening on one of the other days. Maybe you do the bills on a different day instead of whatever it is. Where is that rhythm in your life? Where do you need to adjust in that rhythm and get into the rhythm that God has designed? And some of you, I, I know I can hear you because I say it to myself. When I say, well, I need to kind of adjust and I need to do things through the week. Maybe we need to do the chores through the week instead of doing it on the day that, I, that I'm supposed to be resting. Or maybe we need to, to change some of the patterns and whatever. And I already come up with excuses for, to myself. I'm the one saying it, and I'm already coming up with excuses of why that can't happen and why it's not feasible. And the reality is, is that when I do that, when I come up with this, this talking about how it's not feasible, I've already forgotten the foundation of the Sabbath, the foundation of the relationship. I forgot that God is God, and I am not, and He's in control. And if God desires for me to rest and I desire to be obedient to him, he will make a way for that to happen. It's an act of trust. And one of the things that's amazing about it is that when we rest, when we follow God's rhythm, we actually get to hear the beauty of the song that God is playing in our life. We actually get to hear the beauty of the song that God is playing. I was talking to Wayne this week. We were driving in the van and I was talking to Wayne and I said, Wayne, I'm talking about the Sabbath on Sunday and I'm kind of getting this weird analogy in my head and I just want to run it by you. I kind of see something musical in the Sabbath. You know, I kind of see something musical in this, in this rhythm of work and rest. And Am I crazy, Wayne? I, I, don't, I don't know if that makes sense at all. And he goes, no, it totally makes sense. And then he began to give me a guitar lesson. Then he charged me for it. And, uh, it's just, <laughs> come on, Wayne. So if you watch Wayne play the guitar, I learned something new. If you watch Wayne play the guitar... He's going to hold the guitar, and his hands are going to move up and down constantly. Here's what I learned. He's fooling all of us. He doesn't always hit the guitar string. He's moving his hand, but as he's moving his hand, he decides when to play on the downstroke, when to play as his hand's moving upwards, and when not to hit that string at all. And so he says he's moving his hand, and he goes... I can play and hit the string every time my hand moves, and I would be playing the right note. But if I did that, it would simply sound like noise. When I miss the string, when there's that pause, and I skip the string as I move my hands, that's when music is formed. That's when music is formed. You see, the symphony of our life is formed by both the notes that are played and the notes that are paused. The symphony of our life is formed by both the notes that are played 
and the notes that are paused. We need both work and rest. You can't have them without the other. They exist together. Rest without work is laziness. Work without rest is a recipe for disaster and death. We need to pause. We need to pause. In Exodus chapter 23, it says this. Again, it's going through the different laws and it's talking about the Sabbath again. And some of the language is going to sound familiar, but in Exodus chapter 23, verse 12, it says, it says the rhythm. It gives you the rhythm again. It says, six days, do your work. But on the seventh day, do not work. There's your rhythm. Work, rest. Six days, do your work. But on the seventh day, do not work. So that your ox and your donkey may rest. And so that the slave born in your household and the foreigner living among you may be refreshed. Now that sounds nice. That refresh. That, that's, that's nice. It's like you know, a cool waterfall, and you're chewing minty gum or something. I don't know. You know, refreshed. But that word really doesn't give us the fullness of that verse. You see, we're reading that passage in English, which it wasn't written in English. It was originally written in Hebrew, and so there's this scholar, Robert Alter, and he translates these first five books of the Bible, and he's not a Christian, and I don't agree with everything that he says, and, and he translates this verse, and he takes a look at that particular word. And as we look at his translation, something interesting occurs. This is how he translates it. He says, six days shall you do your deeds, and on the seventh day you shall cease, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and your bondman and sojourner catch their breath. Catch their breath. And he writes a commentary on that verse, and he says, when you use the word refresh, you don't quite get the full picture. You need to get a picture of catching your breath. Catching that life-giving breath. Because here's the reality. Refreshing Refresh, it just feels like recharging. It's good, we need that, but it just feels like recharging. But if you never catch your breath, you die. If you never catch your breath, you die. God is not giving us this commandment just because he kind of somehow just feels like, eh, this sounds good. Let's just do this. The Sabbath, rest, ceasing from the routine of work creates a life-giving rhythm. God gives us a gift of life. He gives us a gift of life in the rhythm that he designed. And that is the reality check. That is the reality check. You see, the reality of the Sabbath is that it is a gift. It's a gift. 
It is absolutely a commandment. It's absolutely a commandment. It's something that is to be obeyed. It's something that God wants us to do and tells us to do. When I told you that I don't do rest well at the beginning, when I told you that this is something that I'm not really good at, I was confessing to you a sin. If God desires for me to do something and I don't do it, I'm sinning. So it's absolutely a commandment. We need to understand that. But we also need to understand it's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift that was motivated out of a foundation of relationship. It was a gift that was given with this rhythm of of life-giving. It's a gift. And I think that we need to understand that because sometimes we have this kind of cloudy understanding of the Sabbath. We, we have this murky understanding of the Sabbath. We're not quite, we're not really sure what it is. This week I was sitting in the kitchen with my wife and my two daughters, Autumn and Natalia. And Autumn looks at me and she says, so what are you preaching on this week? And I said, oh, I'm preaching on rest. Ooh. I'm like, oh, apparently you like rest. Yeah, I'm going to be talking about rest. I'm going to be talking about the Sabbath. Oh. What do you mean, oh? How'd you go from ooh to oh? She goes, Sabbath. That's not really about rest, Dad. I'm like, really? She goes, Sabbath is really more about worship. And then Natalia, from the other side of the table, my younger daughter, she says, no, it's not. It's about rest. And Autumn looks at me and she's like, Dad, is the Sabbath about worship or is it about rest? And my youngest child, Justice, walks into the room. My second grade boy. And he looks at both of them and he says, Sabbath is about worship and rest. Says so in the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Picks up a carrot, dips it in the ranch dressing, chews on it, gives him a smile like, yeah, you can marvel at me. <laughs> and he gets it right. He gets it right. The Sabbath is about worship and rest. And in order to kind of understand what that means, we need to kind of re-examine the definition we've provided for worship. Charles has given us a definition of worship at different times, and what he said is that worship is seeing God for who he is and responding appropriately. Seeing God for who he is and responding appropriately. And this is where the reality check gets real. This is where it gets deep. You see, in the Bible, we read that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. But not only is he Lord of the Sabbath, not only is he Lord of rest, he's the source of it. He's the source of it. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is talking. And Jesus says this, Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. All things have been committed to me by my Father. All things. That includes the Sabbath. Everything has been committed to Jesus. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal. Jesus and the Son and the Father are one. All things have been committed to the Son. 
Check what's next. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It is only when we see Jesus for who he is, when we see Jesus as the Lord of the Sabbath, when we see him as the source of the Sabbath, when we see him as the only way for that true rest, for that only way for that true rest for our weary souls, it is only when we see Jesus for who he is that we can respond appropriately and Sabbath and rest, truly, truly rest. So rest. What do I want you to do? Sabbath. Rest. Okay, well, how do we do that? How, how, do, we, how do we rest? How, how, how do we actually go about doing this? How do we actually go about getting in line with this rhythm? How do we remember that foundation of relationship, get in line with this life-giving rhythm that God has given us, and remember all the while that Jesus is the source of that rest? How do we do that? Well, there's different ways. So I'm going to give you some tips. I'm going to give you four tips. Ahead of time, here's what you need to understand. These are tips. These are not rules. These aren't even guidelines. These are tips. Well, maybe not the first one. First one's a rule. Just the first one. The rest are tips. If you don't like these tips, come up with your own tips. Post them on our Facebook page. Instagram us. Let us know. It'd be great. We should all like, you know, collect all of our tips together. But here's what we're going to do. Four tips. R-E-S-T, rest. Number one, rely on Jesus. Rely on Jesus. You have to start there. He's the source of rest. You have to start there. And this is twofold. You need to rely on Jesus and understand that God is God and you are not. So you need to begin to trust and rely on Jesus to provide for your finances, to provide for your family, to provide for whatever it is that you are trying to fill with your non-stop working. Jesus is the only source of provision for that. But here's the second practical thing. This is not easy to do. At least not for me. I've tried to do this, and by the end of the day, it's bad. I'm like complaining to my wife. I'm like, oh, I need to be doing something. <laughs> it's not easy to do. And, and the thing is that there's so many things that come into our life that try to prevent that. So here's what I want you to do when it comes to rely on Jesus. I want you to start by praying. Ask Jesus for help. The only way you're going to be able to do this is through the strength of Jesus, not yours. Rely on Jesus. Start with prayer. Number two, exit your routine. Exit your routine. If there is no rest in your life, it means that there's something else. There's a pattern. There's a rhythm. And it keeps going. 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 
Something is there that is blocking you from something that is restful. That looks different for different people. For instance, for some of you, one of the ways you feel rest is by gardening. Just getting outside, getting your hands in the dirt. I don't understand you people, but you like this. You like this. You like putting your hands in the dirt and being out in the sun with the bugs and all that stuff. You like this. This is restful for you. That's not restful for a farmer. That's work. Or for some of you, maybe you're outside all the time. For you, rest, rest is, is going inside someplace quiet and reading, reading a good book. That's rest for you. That's horrible for a researcher. You get what I'm saying? Like, what is the routine of work? What is your normal routine? Exit that routine. Exit that routine. It should be a disruptance. Rest should be a disturbance in your, in your routine. Figure that out. Number three, set yourself up. You have to prepare in order to rest. You can't just wake up and rest by accident. It's not like, oh, I rested today. No, you, you kind of have to get ready because if you don't, there's always going to be stuff that you could do. There really is. So maybe for you, cooking is stressful. Okay, buy a crock pot. <laughs> Put food in the crock pot, call it a day. Freeze a meal, cook ahead of time, I don't know. Do something. For you, maybe doing the chores is just, it's just really blocking your rest. Well, clean during the week. Set yourself up. Prepare. Identify what is it that is keeping you from rest and use the other days to prepare yourself to rest. Set yourself up. And then finally, T, the fourth one, turn off distractions. Turn off distractions. This one is for me. So if it's not applicable to you, it's, it's applicable for me. I love this. It's great. You know what's great about it is that I can do my work anywhere. I have flexibility. I take my phone or my iPad or my laptop and I can do my work anywhere. But the problem with that is that my work is now everywhere. I learned something. There's a feature on the phone and I just, maybe you know about it, maybe you don't, uh, but I want to let you guys know about it. It's really cool, it's a really cool thing. It, depending on what phone you have, it, it, you get to it differently, okay? On mine, it's at the top. There's a button there. It's amazing. If you press the button and you hold it for five seconds, it's like, it's like this secret thing that they didn't want you to know about. You gotta hold it for five seconds. You can slide and it turns the phone off. Who knew? This is great stuff. Listen, for me, I gotta turn off the phone. Otherwise, I'm gonna be texted, I'm gonna be emailed, I'm gonna be called. Something is going to come in to disrupt that time of rest. Turn off the distractions. Again, these are tips. These are just tips. Again, Facebook us your, your own tips. Instagram us your own tips. These are just tips. What's not a tip, what is a rule, is that we are meant to rest. We are commanded to rest. We need to rely on Jesus for that rest. So Sabbath, rest. This week, 
cease from your own agenda and get in line with God's agenda. Remember that foundation of relationship. That Sabbath was given to us out of that foundation of relationship. Get in line with the rhythm that God has created, that life-giving rhythm. And trust in the reality that Jesus is the source of rest. Sabbath. Rest. And when we do that, we become a clear picture of that love that God has for his people. Go and rest this week. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for giving us this gift of rest, giving us this gift of Sabbath. Lord, we ask you that you would help us to do that. That you would help us to actually get in line with the way that you designed us to be. To be in that rhythm of work and rest. More than anything, help us to cling to Jesus and find that true rest, that true rest for our souls. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.